0: Welcome to the Samson Strength Coach Collective Podcast. We've created this collective in order to grow a network of strength coaches who are consistently raising the standard within our industry and as an educational resource for coaches of all levels. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Samson underscore EQ. This episode features Don Decker, Director of Sport Performance for New Mexico State University, hosted by Justin Schwinn. Uh, Don Decker on the collective today. Um, we'll let him get into himself a little bit in a, in a minute and kind of hear uh, who he is. Um, other than that, who do we got on the call today? We got Justin Schwind. I'm the human performance advisor of a KBR contractor with the 58th Sal. Then we have Therese Decree. He is uh, the head strength coach at the 58th Sal. He's also a KBR contractor. Um, other than that, we're fortunate enough uh, to have Don Decker on today. He is a uh, legend in the field. I'll say, you know, I remember when I was a little little pissant GA, um, and he was at Arkansas and asked. He was at Subway. I said, "Hey, Coach, can I sit down and uh, just talk to you for a minute?" And I was just again just a guy at Mississippi State, and um, just asked him a couple questions on path and where I need to go. So um, definitely looked up to him and followed him over the years. Very fortunate to have him on today. Um thanks coach for coming on uh if you could give me two and a half minutes of you.
1: well I appreciate that um I get it's hard to believe that this is 31 years in the business. Um 22 years I had the opportunity now to be a head strength coach. You know the the time that I spent at the University of Arkansas and Old Miss and being in the SEC uh you know looking back on it uh just phenomenal experience and uh you know sometimes I think it's hard for us to really truly take in you know the magnitude sometimes of the moments that we're dealing with as coaches and and you know sometimes we're our own worst enemy in that in the in the sense that hey you know let's celebrate this till midnight tonight and then we're on to the next one you know and and stopping and reflecting and um just having an opportunity obviously all of us during this time of pandemic to Slow life down a little bit and think, and uh, in preparation for today visiting with y'all, you know, just thinking about you know what I've been able to experience. Uh, But but I want to say this about my time here. This is starting year eight at New Mexico State University, Um, and the last two uh, two of the last three years we've had guys drafted from here. This year we had a a running back Jason Huntley drafted in the fifth round, and um, you know when I was at Arkansas and Ole Miss had the opportunity to coach eight first round draft picks, very, very proud just to just say that I was a part of that process. Um, but being a part of the the two kids that were drafted over the last three years, being a part of that process, um, knowing that, you know, we, we haven't signed a kid at New Mexico state university that, that visited another university in the last three years. So, Take, given guys who come here with that chip on their shoulder, uh, kind of a you know last chance, last stop. Uh, a lot of kids that were not being recruited by Division One universities weren't, weren't given the opportunity to you know to fulfill that part of their career. Uh, but then we here we come along and we give them that chance. You know, most of the kids that we that we uh, recruit, uh, majority of their offers are one AA offers um and obviously you know no matter what level you play at in in college football you always think that you can play at the highest level Uh, every d3 kid that has the aspirations and goals and dreams of playing in the nfl thinks they have just as good a chance as anybody else um and and so but being a part of that being a part of, of 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 guys who maybe have felt like they've gotten looked past and missed and you know, really pour your life into them and they pour your, their life into you. And then to talk to them after they get drafted, um, I, I, I tell you, you know, that it's as precious as anything that I experienced in my career. And uh, really, really uh, excited and proud to, to be a part of New Mexico State University and, and uh, having this opportunity here today to talk a little bit about, you know, my past and the things that, uh, that I've learned. Um, and we always continue learning. That's what I think is a great thing about strength conditioning coaches is they all have the same heart, and that is that they, they want to help people be great, and uh, they, they are tireless in their pursuit of that,
0: uh, developing themselves and developing others. Thanks, Coach. Right. So real quick, uh, you know, this is a layered question here, so, you know, peel me layers off as you want as you answer them. Um, but what motivates you as a coach, and when I say that question – um, but you already said the kind of your, where where you were in your career and where you are now and how you're kind of driven, but what motivates you now compared to when you first started, you know, in my opinion, kind of an example I always use is when, when I first started, I was full of piss and vinegar. So there wasn't my every day was just being there. Like that was it. I mean, obviously it changes over time, at least what it has for me. Um, and then also how do you motivate your staff and has that changed throughout your career? Yeah, um, you know, for me, I think it,
1: it's, you know, I think the, one of the most powerful things that we're given as human beings is the power of choice. And I think that every coach hopes that whoever's under their leadership, you know, is makes the choice that they want to be the best that they can be. Uh, we we say, you know, make the choice that they want to be great. And yeah, greats defined so many different ways. But to say that they want to be the best they can be, I think, you know, really makes a statement about where that person wants to go and what's in that person's heart. So what motivates me? And I think, honestly, every strength coach I've ever heard to answer this question, um, you know, jumps into this thought process is that we, that, that I give them every tool that they need to make their choice matter. When they chose, I want to be the best I can be. Then I don't want to be the rate limiting factor of them not accomplishing that, you know, um, in my recruiting talk, I, I, I to them, you know, that I will, uh, I will leave no stone unturned to help them achieve their goals and dreams, especially when I'm talking to male athletes, you know, we don't sit around and hold hands and have kumbaya moments, but the reality of it is, is that, you know, that we've got goals and dreams and we lay up at night thinking about what we want to accomplish and what we want to do. And, um, and we all, everybody on this call today could, could state and name the top three or four people that really invested in their life to help them do that, to empower them to be the best that they could be. And so I want to make, you know, what motivates me is I don't want to, when given that chance, when given that opportunity for that individual, I don't want to let them down. You know, I don't, specifically with a football player, you know, I don't ever want them to go to a combine prep place and come back and say, Coach, if you just showed us this or if you just told us this or, if you did, you know, we could have jumped this or run this or accomplish you – know, I, I never want that. And, and I make it a point to go talk to my guys when they come back for pro day and wherever they've trained. Hey, what would you learn? Is there is there something that, you know, I need to be doing better? Is there something I need to know that has changed, you know, in terms of combine prep and in terms of getting a guy ready and all that kind of stuff? Because – I just don't want to fall asleep at the wheel on my watch, you know? So what motivates me is making sure they have a plan and the guidance and support, you know, to accomplish being the best they can be. And then the other thing that I think motivates not just athletes, but everybody is everybody wants to matter. Everybody wants to be valued, you know, and in coaching nowadays, you know, with social media, Salaries are talked about all the time. I mean, such and such got a raise. Yeah, here's how many strength coaches are making a half a million dollars and more and all those kind of things. And, and, and don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, I'm glad I get a paycheck, and, I, and I'm happy I get, get a paycheck, that I get paid to do this. And, and the, mo- the more money you can make as a strength and conditioning coach, the more power to you because you earn every dime. But I know for strength and conditioning coaches, that's not the holy grail. You know, the Holy Grail um, is the reward that you that you receive, all right, from helping people get where they want to get to. The Holy Grail is helping them achieve something that they may not have been able to achieve if you wouldn't to been one spoke on the wheel, helping that wheel turn. I, I think that's the Holy Grail. What really rewards us, what really measures our worth and value is accomplishing those things you know i i mentioned that we had a a kid drafted this year jason huntley in the fifth round you know and and every strength coach has those stories of he came in at 152 pounds left at 192 pounds vertical 39 inches standing long jump 11 i mean all those different kind of measurables that happen on those pro days that we that we brag about we brag about them because it's a part of our story and I know we're going to talk about this later in this segment, but it, the reason we talk about it is because it helps to develop and build trust in your other athletes to say, man, if you'll, if you'll give yourself to this, if you'll really invest this, you won't miss out, you know, and, 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 I'm, and I, I make a statement that, you know, missing out on a financial opportunity in life is one thing, you know, they, they kind of come and go, but missing out on making a difference in somebody's life, that's a whole nother story. Those are hard to get over when you look in the mirror and know you could have done more to help that that individual uh, that, that you did, didn't do your best in that given situation, whether it be how you deal with them or the plan that you developed and those kind of things. So, you know, those are the things that motivate me, you know, um, and, uh, you know, in terms of my staff, giving them the opportunity and empowering them um, to be a part of that. You know, uh, John Maxwell says that there's five levels of leadership and the fifth level of leadership is, is leaders who develop leaders who develop leaders. And, and, and a lot of people don't get there because when you're two people removed from what's actually happening, there's a great chance that you're not gonna get the pat on the back and the accolades and the and hey, you know, this guy did a great job and they're mentioned in your name. If, if you're developing a leader who then develops a leader well, the person you developed and the person they developed are the people that are going to receive the accolades and the pats on the back and, hey, you did a great job and all kinds kind of stuff. Chances are you're not going to get that. And a lot of leaders aren't you know, secure enough in themselves to allow that to happen because they think that, hey, I'm going to get replaced. But anybody that really understands leadership understands that that started somewhere. And so if you're the guy that can't allow that to happen, then you're robbing them of the very thing that you said that matters to you. I mean, yes, we said a paycheck definitely matters, but, you know, that worth and value is helping somebody get where they want to go and achieve what they want to achieve. And if you're if you don't allow your, your staff to have that ownership, when I first got the job at Arkansas, I, I went from being an assistant to being a head guy. And I didn't want the sports that I had dealt with as an assistant to feel like, well, he's too big time for us now. Now he's the head guy. He's going, you know. Um, and so I, I, I stayed in charge of some of those other sports. And, and my top assistant came to me one day and he said, Coach, when are you going to let us do what you did? When are you going to give us the opportunity to do what you did? And I was like, what are you talking about? Well, I mean, you still are ahead of this sport and you're ahead of this sport. And you're ahead of... And I'm like, well, fellas, I'm just doing that because I don't want people to feel like, you know, I've uh, elevated myself above them. But coach, in, in doing that, we don't get a chance to do what you did, to develop the way you got to develop. And I, I learned a valuable lesson there that, you know, in my efforts to do a good thing, I really wasn't doing a good thing for my staff. I wasn't giving them the opportunity. I wasn't empowering them. I think they're one of the most, you know, powerful things that leaders do is empower the people around you, empower your staff, empower your athletes to make good decisions, give them the tools to do the things that they need to do. And so, um, you know, I feel like there's a lot of ways to answer that question and we could, you know, drill down deep. But I think the overarching thing that I try to do with my staff is to allow them to feel the same thing that I get to feel. And that is that ownership, and then that sense of accomplishment when somebody does something under your direct leadership.
2: Coach, Coach Degree. Coach, Coach, I greatly appreciate the opportunity to uh, speak to you today, sir. So thank you. Uh, wanted to ask, um, staying on the human element, uh, you know, within our experience as a strength coaches, I think a lot of people don't understand the, connection that we have with our athletes on, uh, the, the, the many layers that we have that connection. Uh, cause you speak on that your connection and your staff's connection to the athletes that you're able to work with and how that relates to, uh, keeping those kids motivated when they have so many different outside influences, or if they do come from, uh, let's say less than, Ideal circumstances, because uh, a lot of times we have kids that have come in uh, from certain environments, and this is their opportunity to be able to not just change their lives, but even their family's lives. Possibly even be the first person uh, in their family to attend college or in or graduate. Uh, so I'd really like to get your perspective on that. Well,
1: I I think that's a a great question, and I, and it's uh, a, uh you said that it was a privilege to, to be on this today with me. I want you to know it's a privilege to be on here with you and uh, appreciate your time. Um, you know, I, I think that, that when we're talking really what we're getting down to is talking about relationships. Um, and you know, I, I think that, uh, trust, you know, is something that you earn, not something that you ask for. And I think that that is, uh, so important to develop that and you say okay well how do you go about doing that I I think you know I read this in one of my leadership books it said that there's four qualities that that uh, that anyone who's willing to follow you wants to know about you so when you're developing when I'm when I'm developing relationships with with athletes that are coming from all kinds of different backgrounds and knowing what's on the line like you said I mean life-changing things first of all Anytime anybody fulfills their goals and dreams, that's life changing. Um, and then when there's a financial attachment to that, um, that literally could change generations—not just their life, but generations. Um, you you, you got to work hard at figuring out how you're going to develop that relationship so that you can talk, do what we talked about earlier, and that's really empower them. You know, and so the four things were: number one, you need to be honest. If, anybody, if you want someone to follow you, they need to know that you're honest. And then number two is, is to be competent. And then three is inspirational, and then four is forward-looking. So, you know, when you're developing that relationship with an individual, knowing that you're going to be honest with them. You know, I, I, I tell my athletes all the time, I'm willing not to be liked in order to be loved. Because I think that, you know, people that, that are liked, want to be liked, are going to tell you what you want to hear all the time people that truly want to be loved, you know, we don't use that word a lot, you know, in strength and conditioning, there's so many you know different definitions of that, but I, I think it's a powerful word and it's, it's, it's truth about in a relationship. Um, people that want to be loved are willing to tell you what you don't want to hear because it's what you need to hear in that moment in order to get you truly where you want to go. I mean, you've you got to, you know, and trust somebody. I, I say on my recruiting weekends, you know, I want you to know that if you give me this opportunity, I'm going to stand guard of your goals and dreams. And that might mean on any particular day that I'm unpopular, that I'm not exactly who you want to hear from because I'm going to tell you the truth. But at the end of the day, when they know that you truly care, that you are truly committed to them for the right reasons, that you, uh, that you do love them. That it's not out of a position of arrogance or a, a position of power, but it's from a position of, I want what's best for you. I don't want you to waste this opportunity. I want you to, to be able to do all the things. You know, I tell them, you know, the scouts come in, and they have conversations with me and the, and the scouts are, are extremely intelligent and they, they know what to look for. And they're going to say they're going to say to me, you know, hey, you know, uh, what kind of a squatter is he? He doesn't look like he's a very good. You know, he looks more like he's a waist bender than a knee bender. You know, uh, is uh, they're going to ask me, you know, uh, what's he like in the weight room? Can you trust him or do you have to have somebody always watch out? So I have this conversation with them. So that they understand that I'm not going to make up their talk about what I say to a scout, they're going to, they're going to make that talk up over the next two or three or four years. And when they know that you're going to be honest with them, which means they know that you're going to be honest with the people that are asking about them, and they can count on that then that drives that relationship. It, it, it's from a, a foundation of a good heart with good intentions driven by honesty and truth. And, and, and I think that, you know, that is the cornerstone and foundation of any relationship. And, and you have to establish with that with an athlete. Uh, and that's only going to happen, like I said, trust is something you earn, not something you ask for. But then the other thing, once you develop that component, I think that component, you know, is something that happens over time. But they're not going to listen to you, even if they trust you in terms of you being a good dude. If you're not good at what you do, if you're not really good at what you do, and that's where those stories, you know, as strength coaches get into spouting a resume sometimes. Um, and some people say, well, why do they feel the need to do that? They don't feel the need to do that for themselves. <laughs> their need to do that is that they're trying to give people an understanding of what they're capable of if that individual will really truly give themselves. This is what has happened in the past, and this is what can happen for you. Just want you to know that it has happened. It has been a good plan. It has been a good process, and here's where it's led different guys and different female athletes too this is what they've been able to accomplish so the 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 resume thing is not for them for a strength conditioning coach to feel better about themselves but it's to get that buy-in because competency and being great at what you do is so important um and then obviously you know you got to be somebody that can speak their language you got to be able to inspire them you got to be able to somebody that you know can get them going and you know meet them where they're at and um You know we have a sign in our two signs in our weight room standard over feelings and the standard sign is green and the feeling sign is red and we literally have them touch those signs because if they walk in and they're in their feelings they need to be honest about that because then they need to get out of their feelings because the weight room is a standard it's a feelings free zone it ain't about feelings it's about Facts. It's about business. It's about getting a job done, and, um, and 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 getting them to understand that that you're not. This isn't about you trying to punk them or hurt their feelings or lord your authority. Or, no, no, no. Everything that's being stated is is in the best interest of you. It's to elicit a, the response of you being great, of you not wasting a minute, of you not looking back and saying, "If I would have." Never, ever, ever do I want an athlete to say, if I would've done this or if I would've done that, I'm going to do everything I can. Like I said, it doesn't matter whether I'm liked on a given day. I just want to be loved at the end of the journey. I want them to know, you know what, he was willing for me to be mad at him. He was willing to say tough things to me that I needed to hear. But he was also the same guy that was jumping up and down. You know, we have a cowbell in our weight room. Anytime somebody hits a PR, we, we stop and we announce it to the whole room. And we and clap and, 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 you know, uh, John Maxwell talks about, you know, if you want to develop a winning culture and a, a culture of success, you better celebrate the small victories along the way. And so there's going to be both sides of it. I'm going to be passionate either way. Um, and, and so I, I, I think that that inspiration – Those four things, when you really look at it, is he forward-looking, is he honest, is he competent, and is he inspirational? When you're talking about somebody walking into a room that you have no pre-existing relationship with, and they may not have had the best experience with authority figures in the past, and they may have been let down and disappointed, and everything that they walk in there with doesn't facilitate them instantly buying into what you're doing but so much hangs in the balances of that I, I just think if, if you really wrap your mind around those four principles that I just spoke about it gives you a great chance you know uh, I'll, I'll close this question with this story you know Michael Orr I had the opportunity to coach him at Old Miss and he w- we came in there at the end of his uh, uh, junior year beginning obviously of his senior year and they were trying to decide whether or not he was going to come out early and so, as we changed staffs, uh, the, the twoies who adopted him interviewed uh, the head football coach, the academic people, and then myself. And I was curious as to why they wanted to interview me. And they said that there was, you know, one thing that he was really struggling with in terms of his combine numbers. And they asked me, you know, if I felt like that I could help that, and I, I told them that I could, but I understood that trust was something you have to earn, not something you ask for. But if they give me a chance, I, I promise I won't I won't let them down. And and uh, in, in in the development of that one area of his physical development, he just it blossomed and and grew, and and he became. You know, my wife would tell you he became the bigger and biggest endorser of Coach Decker that I've ever had in my career. But that's walking into a situation where, I mean, he ends up being a first round and that's generation changing money, you know, um, and didn't know me from from Adam and, and the family that had, you know, brought him in and adopted him didn't know me either. And so here's a guy who's coming from a background of, you know, you, you would obviously say that there's – he didn't come from a background of trust. I mean, that, you know, he, you know, he's walking the streets, you know, people had let him down a bunch, but here's a guy who gave me that chance. And I share that story because when other athletes are saying, Hmm, I don't know, is this guy for real? Or is he just a used car salesman?" You know, is he just sound good and all hyped up and pepped up on, on, you know, on recruiting day. You know, when I share that story that that Michael gave me that opportunity, and then what we did with it together, um, is one of those stories that I get to use to really help speed up that process of that trust in that relationship.
0: Thanks, Coach just beautifully said. Um, so, real quick, you know, based off of the questions I gave you, this is important because I want to describe kind of where we're at, and really in the tactical setting, and in some ways. Depending on the university you're at, it might be, so our soldiers that we work with it's on a voluntary basis, so they 're not required it 's not in a standard setting at at the f b s level where you' better be there your training that your scholarship, all the things happen and I know you've probably been in those situations before, um, especially when you first started when parts of the summer were voluntary um, so in that you know I, I think into that question. We have to continue to cult, not only cultivate a great culture to really invite our athletes in, but two, we have to continuously upgrade uh, the facilities and what we have to offer. Um, obviously, foundationally, we still stick to our principles and our philosophy. It's ground-based movements, multi-joint, all the things we do. But you know, you want to have spinners on things. You got to. Um, you got to have that buying. And I think in that. Um, I call those innovative ideas. uh, And I think really in those ideas, what I've found is if it gives that individual great direct feedback of where they're at, who they're, who they are as an athlete, uh, that, that really helps. Um, But still trying to figure out, you know, there is no perfect system. There is no perfect formula, but obviously people have had a lot of success uh, in their systems. So I want to know if you can kind of expound upon, how do you encourage innovative ideas with your players, with your staff? And what are some, what, of, what are some of those ideas you've done? Like, and and I, one I do know personally is that you guys use VBT training. You're one of the first universities really as a whole to use it at the collegiate level um, So uh, consistently. So I think I'm really interested to hear your take on that, Coach.
1: Well, um... You know, I, that's, it's, it's such a, you know, broad question, um, that when I looked at that, I was like, you know, how do you, how do you harness that, um, you know, that and, and kind of get it into, uh, something that people could really, uh, take and digest and use, um, you know, I, I think from a, from an innovation standpoint, um, you know we walked into uh to new mexico state you know they they had a great room but you know it was it hadn't been touched in about 22 years and um and so uh you know first thing i said was i was going to do everything i could to make this job you know just like what how we operated at arkansas and how we operated old miss and and i you know I'm going to talk about the four qualities that people want to have in an individual that they're willing to follow. I mean, I'm going to continue to talk about that today because as I was going through these questions and I was looking at, you know, the things that you were going to ask me, um, I just felt like those four things really centered and were at the heart of a lot of answering a lot of those things. And I think that when people are walking away, you know, John Maxwell wrote a book called, everyone communicates, but few connect. And I I think that it's more about walking away from today's conversation with, you know, something that you can really hold on to. And one of those qualities that I I mentioned as I was answering the earlier question was, you know, being forward thinking. And, um, And so, you know, we've had elite form technology in our weight room for the last, you know, five years. Um, and, you know, and, and talking to different individuals, uh, matter of fact, uh, we even talked, we, my, myself and my top assistant, Zach Witherspoon, we were, we were asked by elite form to be their guest speakers at the convention, uh, to talk about how they, how elite form worked and, you know, instead of doing it themselves, you know, they picked us. Um, so, so I, am very, I, you know, I, I'm very proud of, you know, being able to, Involve those kind of things, but but really, I use that as, as, as a point of illustration as to you know some of the things that we have here. You know, we have polar, we have elite, we we're we just purchased uh, 1080 motion. Um, we've got the vision goggle training. So you know, from our technology standpoint, I mean, we we really are operating here at, at a pretty high level. But you know, s- people could say, oh, you know, okay, well, coach, I don't have those things. You, you know, you're kind of pointing to being innovative to you know strictly to technology and things you can purchase and there's you know with everybody there's budget limitations I'm at I'm at New New Mexico State University I mean you know we we're the most our football staff is the uh you know least paid football staff you know in the country so you know it's not like money abounds at New Mexico State University so I don't want anybody to you know to think that but I think the the thing that drives that, the thing that drove Polar, the thing that has driven the 1080 motion, the thing that uh, drove me with the the vision training is it's not so much me and being the leader in and of itself. Um, You know, the high performance model is talked about a lot. You know, the high performance model within athletic departments and And, um, you know, and and I know that the the services, you know, y'all have more of the high performance model than than we do in terms of sports psychology and sports nutrition and and, you know, sports medicine. And and of course, you guys in sports performance. And so um, so you so you have all those things. And when I'm hiring people. As strength coaches, I mean, to be on my staff, I always tell them if you can't coach on the floor, you can't be, you can't have a seat at the table. You gotta be able to get it done on the floor. You gotta be able to motivate, you gotta be able to coach. Those are the things that you gotta be able to do. But in my interview process, I'm always asking them, you know, what in terms of sports performance or in performance in and of itself, what really is your niche? What what are you attracted to? Is it is it the science side of things? Is it nutrition? Is it you know, uh, technology. Um, I, I, just had a, a gentleman leave my staff, uh, after being with me for four years who had his master's degree in sports psychology. Um, so what is it that drives you? And so when those, when you're, when you're hiring those kind of niches that, that come to the table and say, man, nutrition's really my area or science is really my area or, technology. And, and you get them around the table and you create a safe space where they can, you know, kind of take the lead and say, coach, you know, could, do you think we could take a look at this? Do you think we could do this? Do you think it, it? It's like you know, you're making yourself so much better because of what you brought to the table. It's not that you have to be innovative. It's that you bring innovation to the table because you have all these minds around you that they're, you know, I've got a a director of exercise prescription that, you know, he's a science geek, man. He loves science, you know? I mean, he just loves it. And so, you know, when we're having our high performance meeting, which we have once a week, and we go around to the different areas, I mean, they're championing their cause. I mean, they're pushing you, you know, to uh, to develop in those areas. So, you know, I, I think that, uh, that, that if, if, I, if I really want to answer the question honestly, that I can't take uh, a lot of credit for that, that it's, it's the hiring practices that I've been able to develop from the people that have helped me uh, over the years develop in, in those particular areas of leadership and know that, you know, you've got to surround yourself – uh, with people that are going to push you and help you. And then, you know, when you're looking at those four qualities, you're, you're not going to always prop up forward thinking with yourself, um, you know, and you've, got, and you've got to have that around you. So uh, did, we, can, we can run around the question and chase rabbits. I want to make sure that I stay on point. Is there anything else, Justin, that you want me to hit on
0: that? No, I, I think you, 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 you're pretty thorough on everything. You hit, hit it home pretty well, Coach. Um, Yeah, I'm going to ask another question. I'm going to let coach degree after that. How how do you – when I say your personal style, I ask that, describe that. What I mean by that is your coaching style. Like, what is it? Everybody has a certain coaching style, and and has it changed over the years? Again, I like asking layered questions because people – think some people are always the same, and it's not. You know, you might become wiser and more analytical on how you look at things. Like when I first got into it, I was a screamer. I was the guy that was doing the stupid jumping jacks and all the things. And as I've progressed through it, I still got the juice. I still got the energy if I need to use it. But now, I, first, I take a step back. I look at the room. I analyze the room. I know and try to understand my athletes and who and how they're going to respond because some won't respond to the juice. Someone, yeah. i coming up and having a conversation with them and just like you said earlier, you know, between your, your red and green and knowing if they're in their feelings for the day or they're ready to really work. So yeah. I, I think that's really changed for me over the years. Um, for me personally, my coaching style, I want to kind of hear you coach.
1: You know, uh, um, it, in thinking about this, um, I actually asked my staff um, to to help me so that I would be honest because you know that's the one of the things that people look for is is that honesty and that truthfulness and so being genuine so um the first thing I think that if you ask one of my staff guys you know what is his style, I think the very first thing they would say is that I am extremely demanding and I, and um and and I, when I said I don't know that I should say that because that can come across as negative. Um, you know, he's just so hard. And, you know, is that, a, you know, is, is he just that badge of honor that he wants to say that I'm so demanding? You know, I, I have to use the word demanding because it's the best word that describes it. But I think that the way I explain it, and that is, is that I take that bow serious when I tell those guys that if they give me the chance to, to, to be a part of their goals and dreams and that I won't let them down. I take that serious. So the only way I know how to get that done is, is you know, and, and you hear this from Coach Saban all the time, you know, the standard, the standard, you know, I, I, I've always used that phrase in my, you know, manuals and stuff for my staff. And, uh, you know, I, I uh, the, your, the players would tell you, Coach deck's always saying, the standard is what the standard is. And and so I thought to myself one day, you know, that sounds – I mean, that sounds good. But my wife has always asked me, about, like, you say stuff when you talk sometimes, but what does it mean? I mean, it just sounds good to hear you say that, you know. It, and uh, so I define for my staff and the players that the standard is excellence in every detail of every action. So if my staff is in, out there coaching and they, and they want to know – what I'm looking for I'm looking for excellence in every detail of every action. Does that mean perfection no that just means the best they can coach in that moment in every detail of what you're asking them to do which is leading obviously to the actions and and my demand is is because uh I want my staff to leave me as better coaches and 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 pursue their career and achieve those things i want the athletes to be able to achieve the things so it's out of a belief and a hope and a care and invest. the demand is that not because i'm just going to have this authority and this position and as we know in uh, when john maxwell talks about leadership you know positional leadership is the lowest level of leadership Still there?
2: Guess someone's calling them. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it says <laughs> that.
2: There, here you go.
1: We lost you, we lost you for a second. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of my staff guys decided that he wanted to give me a call right in the middle of this talk. But, anyways, um, and, uh, this Harvard study that I read, I thought it was interesting that they did a study on positive to negative, positive statements and negative statements. And they found that the, the best ratio, the highest performers came out of a ratio of one to five for every one negative thing. You said, you better follow it up that day with five positive things. Anything less leaves the, the athlete feeling less about themselves anything more can give them kind of a blown up opinion of, of themselves and then don't ever be in the three to one category which led to the lowest performers which is three negatives followed up by only one positive and you know i started in this business in 1989 and you know looking back i don't know that that i was being taught those things as a coach uh being taught you know, the power of all of that. I, I, I believe that people believed that. I just don't think that we as coaches were, you know, it was about numbers. It was a numbers-driven thing. How, how many 400-pound benches and 500-pound squats and 300-pound cleaners and how many 40s do you have and 4-4 four, four or better and how many 30-inch vertical jump play. And all, you know, all, it was just – it was a lot of numbers. It was, And that's what was driving performance was these – numbers that you you have 25 guys benching 400 and this and all all that kind of stuff and and i and i believe that our business has so evolved to you know prehab is imp as, as important as you know as bench squat and power clean you know and that and as we've you know developed over the years our athletes are so much more educated to what they do and what we do and we so much more have the why question and um and at times, because of the different generations and how they're raised, you know, when, when you're raised in a generation where you don't get, they don't give out trophies for winning, you know, I mean, and everybody gets a trophy and everybody gets a gold standard and a gold star. I mean, you better figure out a way to deal with that generation. And I, I do think that that study is very interesting. It's something I teach my staff and it's something that, I mean, if I, say, if I if I jump a guy, and if I get after him, you know, I'm hoping that he understands the heart that I'm coming with, and that is that I love him, I care about him or her, and want them to be great. But at the same time, I'm doing a little self-check. Hey, that is so much better. That is so much better. That, that's what I knew you could do. I, see, that's that greatness coming out. You know, I'm really checking myself to make sure that I'm following that up with why I said it. And, um, and so I think that's important in terms of, you know, style. When you talk about being demanding, there's got to be that balance. And then that leads me into uh, what I said earlier. If you want a culture of, of of winning, you better celebrate the small victories along the way. And so that's why we have the cowbell. That's why we quiet things down, give the three claps, that we announce a person's name when they hit a PR, those kind of things. So, you know, that's a part of my, my style. You know, I, I've talked about the, the – uh, honesty thing, the truthfulness, not being, you know, willing to not be liked in order to be loved. Um, and and I, I think that, you know, creating a safe space for your staff that, you know, when things are going right, it's the, the window in the mirror philosophy. When things are going right, you're looking out the window and you're giving everybody credit outside. And when things are not going right, that you're looking in the mirror and you're pointing the finger and you're taking that ownership, that that's on you. It's not, I confess, it's somebody else's fault. Uh, so, so from a leadership standpoint, and you're talking about my style. I want to create uh, a safe space for not only my athletes to operate in, but but also my staff. Uh, my staff says that I like to be micro-informed, that I don't micromanage. Uh, a book that I read early in my career called Gung Ho talked about the spirit of the squirrel, the way of the beaver, and the gift of the goose. And the way of the beaver is something that I use with my staff, and that is, you know, there's no beaver out there directing traffic about where to put the sticks to build the dam, you know, it's, it talked about in the book, it's figured out, find a way and fix it. And which means be yourself. And, you know, um, that's what, you know, that's what I want my staff to be is themselves. I read this. I think it's a, uh, a cool statement. If your staff cannot have a vigorous debate and then go out for lunch, you're not getting the best that your staff has to offer. And, and I think that, you know, letting my staff know that, you know, here's where I want you to get to, here's what I want you to do. But, you know, you got to figure it out, find a way and fix it. Now, I'll help you with that. We can have conversations about that. But I want you to be you because that's what's genuine and that's what's real and that's what's going to accomplish things. And then the last thing that I would say that, uh, you know, none of us on this call today or that anyone that listens, you know, could could talk about their personal style without thinking about the people that invested in that style. And, you know, my wife, she she was kind of interested in going seeing that movie. Um, Um, uh, I'm drawing a blank now, Um, Mr. Rogers, uh, won't you be my neighbor? Uh, And uh, so we went to see that and, you know, I didn't think it was going to be the best movie I ever saw or anything like that, but, you know, she was interested in it. So we went to see it and I was glad that I did because one of the things, if you saw the movie that, that it it talks about in there or make or or actually does in the movie is the question is posed over uh, lunch prior to them eating, um, and that is, have you ever stopped to think about who made you you? Have you ever stopped to think about or made a list of people that made you you? And he said, uh, Tom Hanks said, we're gonna take the next 60 seconds, and we're, just, we're not gonna talk, and we're just gonna think, and you can see the rest of the restaurant kind of listening in, and we're gonna take the next 60 seconds and just go through a mental checklist of who made you you and you know I I thought that in answering this question you know for for anyone that's listening to this recording that we take a moment and really reflect on who made us who we are and maybe taking the opportunity to go back and let them know because they were the ones that were being honest with us. They were the ones that were great at what they were doing so that we could be great at where you know, and it's that whole, you know, look back and, and, and take a moment and and really reflect. And so, uh, you know, I made a list um you know of of people in my life you know in terms of just my strength and conditioning you know coach stuckey was my mentor you know al miller Al Vermeil, houston nutt and doug martin you know are the two head football coaches i've worked for joe ferguson longtime nfl quarterback uh was a really guiding force kelly mcgregor who was the ceo and president of the colorado rockies who passed 10 years ago uh, was huge and driving me into leadership. Frank Boyle one of the most powerful ADs that ever lived. Uh, Rob Glass has invested in me. Jimmy Ratcliffe, Lance Walker, Michael Johnson, Wallace Spearman, Tyson Gay, who are the two fastest guys on the planet till Usain Bolt came on the scene. I had the opportunity to be around them for about six years. So, you know, that's just a, a short list and everybody has a list, but I think it's important to have a list, write the list down, and then reflect back on that because it, it drives you. Do you want to be on somebody's list? You know, are, are you the guy that are, is leading in a manner that's putting yourself on somebody else's list that, that you're somebody that they would say, you're part of what made me meet
2: Coach Cree. Uh, coach. Uh, just a really quick question. I know time is starting to come to an end. I want to be brief and respect your time. Um, how have you and your staff been able to adapt to this pandemic situation with your athletes and maintaining those relationships and as well as you know the the hope that your guys and and gals athletes have been continuing their training. Uh, I know that that's going to be a huge Challenge coming forward in the uh, hopeful upcoming uh, athletics uh, season.
1: Um, So the everybody obviously because we're on Zoom today, we we should give Zoom a shout out. Everybody's become pretty, uh, you know, uh, well acquainted with Zoom, and so you know, uh, I I reached out. One of the things that you know, one of the questions that I don't know if we're going to get to today, but you know, in talking about you know what continues to inspire you to, uh, you know, get better and, and all those kind of things. You know, one of the things that I think is, is important, um, you know, is to – to reach out to others, you know, go visit other programs, you know, have other experts come into your particular situation. You know, I I was taught that kind of in the middle of my career, instead of going always visiting somebody, have them come to you when they're not going to be distracted and they can say, okay, here's what they have to work with. Here's the equipment tools they have to work with. How could what I'm trying to get them to understand and know and maybe bring to the table, how could that actually work in their setting? And so in doing that, I've tried to do that during this time. And I've reached out to, to several people and to see what they're doing. Um, and, and I believe, you know, for the first time in my career, that everybody's kind of on equal footing. It doesn't matter, you know, how much money you have or how big your weight room is when you can't get in it you know, and, you know, you can't personally train your, your people and use that stuff. So, so one of the motivations that, and things that I've been telling our athletes is, is the first time in my career, whether you're at the top of the food chain in terms of finances and facilities or at the bottom of the food chain in terms of finances, for the first time, everybody's on equal footing. I mean, you're doing a bodyweight workout, you're doing a band workout, you're doing a makeshift weight room workout, you know, you can't get access to, you know, health clubs and gyms and, you know, strength coaches can't get into their facilities and, you know, they can't train their athletes and all that kind of stuff. So literally everybody's somewhat on equal footing. And so I've, I've used that, you know, uh, for us because financially we're not on equal footing with everybody else. And so, you know, I really tried to use that to help motivate our kids to say, look, man, we can take a step, um and and, and really kind of close the gap and um and where I've done that is on the zoom calls as as everybody's real familiar with you know the staff uh football staff is having zoom meetings with their players and I just requested that I would be on one call a week with the position coach with their players and um and then I just point blanked them. I'd get on there. I mean, talk. hey, how, are you healthy? Are you doing good? Is there anything I can do for you? Is there anything you need? Can I, you know, send you some supplements? Can I, you know, but this, that, and other, you know, take care of that first. And then I would just point blank them. Are you doing every rep of every set? Of the workout we sent you are you following the video are you doing the conditioning are you you know that kind of deal and initially it was interesting because and i was thankful for it but they were so honest now i'm doing some push-ups and sit-ups that's about it you know and um and and it was like okay here's the deal we're not on spring break okay this is a time where you know we have to train where we would normally be training and so you know you could see that there was a little bit of shift in the fact that this wasn't vacation and then the other thing was being able to look on the screen like I'm looking at you and I'm looking at Justin and I'm looking at you straight in the eye best I can and saying, did you do every rep of every set? Did you do every rep of every set? That's all I'm asking. Be honest with me. Yeah, well, Coach, I, you know, I only, I only got three days of conditioning in this week. I didn't do four. You know, I only got a couple of days of, of the workout. Well, when you did do the workout, did you do every rep of every set? Well, yeah, I did. <laughs> No, 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 be honest. And so then you saw that change to the dialogue of them beat me to the punt. Coach, I've been doing every rep of every set and then some. Here's what I've been doing this week, you know. And so you saw that kind of shift. And I think, I think you know, could could they be, you know, I don't want to sit. Is anybody that's listening to this say, well, you, you think they're constantly telling him the truth? I mean, is he? you know, he ain't that dumb. But I think it's hard to look somebody in the eye and say, I'm doing every rep of every set when you're not. I, I just think that's hard to do. I, I don't care how, how, how you, you know, what type of character and integrity you have as an individual. Um, you know, I just think that's hard to do, especially when your position coach is on the call, your strength coach is on the call, and your teammates are on the call, and you're point blanking each guy, okay? Justin, I need, to, hey, I need your eyes here, Justin. I need your eyes, all right? Are you doing every rep of every set? You know and 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 then, when they would that that conversation would change, and they would start saying yeah i've been doing this, I've been doing this," and when they would be honest and say, "No, I only got three instead of four, I would be man, I, I appreciate your honesty i 'd so much rather know the truth than for you to tell me what I just want to hear or what this coach wants to hear um, so you know I think you know giving them some security that we were there for them that we would, you know, send them supplements that, you know, we tried to get band packs out to guys that, you know, didn't have any type of training th- that they could have any access to weights and those kind of things. Cause those body weight workouts start getting old. And um, I think them knowing that, and then just that point blank transparency with their teammates and their coaches um, you know, I'm hoping when they get back that, you know, that we're hitting on all cylinders the best we can. And, and then, I wanted to bring this up because I knew you guys were going to ask me about, you know, how we were going to handle this. We, we've put together, you know, a plan within the university, and within the athlete department of how our athletes will come back. Like, what does a day look like? And I'm not going to bore you with that. We just had a meeting about it yesterday, actually. Um, but the thing I'm excited about from a strength and conditioning standpoint is the NCAA really challenged, you know, the CSCCA and the NSCA to come up with some really – you know, science-based specific things when an athlete has comes off of a break in that transition period of return to training. And in June of last year, you know that joint document was published in the NSCA Journal and uh, talks about the protocol for conditioning returning athletes that have been in your program, conditioning new athletes that you've never trained before, and then you know, from a strength training standpoint, there's there's those protocols now that are in place that are very, very specific. They're not just general guidelines, but they're very specific things. And anybody that's interested in, in knowing more about that, uh, that I, I spoke uh, on it and it's part of our uh, virtual convention with the CSCCA. It's going to be on their website, available to anybody. Um, you can go to the uh, NSCA journal, the June uh, issue of last year and the articles in there that, that outlines that protocol. But the exciting thing is, it's like tomorrow morning, I'm going to be on the I'll call with the Corey Stringer uh, Institute and, you know, they're talking about using this protocol as a document that they're going to support and back and, you know, they want to know more about it before they put their backing behind it. But I've been on several calls over the last couple of weeks with conference committees that are trying to figure out how to bring their athletes back. And they're using this document as a foundation um, once the athlete gets back on campus and you go through all the, how are they going to stay safe in the social distancing, but then once they actually get in the weight room, you know, what does that look like? And that's where those protocols really pick up and, and, and take off. And, and I'm just so proud of, of the strength conditioning coaches, because this came out of two national organizations that. Came together, we have our differences, but we came together and said, what's the best thing for our athletes and what are some very specific things that we can do uh, to keep our athletes safe and, and, uh, you know, I I think that the protocol gives strength coaches ownership, I think it gives them – Protection to not be pressed into making decisions that that they don't really want to make about how fast they're bringing an athlete back, and then it gives us an accountability so that when people are trying to point the finger at strength coaches, um, that we can say, no, nah, we you know, we followed this, we did this, this, and this. I mean, you know, that that's what we did. That's that's best practices within the industry. So, so I'm really excited about that. I think we're positioned really well. Um, you know, obviously we we all hate this uh pandemic and what it's done to our country and and the death that has that we've experienced and the sadness and sorrow um but the one thing from a strength conditioning standpoint that has come out of this is that this protocol has really been pushed to the forefront because phases and protocols have become a part of our, our conversation in this world. Phase one, phase two, phase three. And so everybody's more receptive to protocols. And I think initially strength coaches were like, I don't need a protocol to tell me how to be a strength coach. But, I, but now it's being, it's, it's being readily received because it's, it's a part of the dialogue that has become a part of our country and the way that we talk.
0: Coach, I think the last piece of this this platform, what I always like to do is um, give you an opportunity to share anything you feel like today we haven't covered, um, anything, you like, uh, you heart, um, anything you feel like you want to share from your heart, anything you feel like you want to share that's essential for the listeners to hear, um, and obviously, because we ask these questions uh, these questions we thought of, but there's still certain pieces that you're very passionate about that we might've missed. So I think this is your opportunity for the next 10 minutes or so to kind of share you.
1: Okay. So there, there's a couple of things that, that I wanted to share, you know, um, we're talking about, you know, creating a safe space for our staff and, you know, what does that look like? Uh, given a, a practical example, you know, every before every football off season i bring the, the staff in, the whole staff regardless olympic sport and we and we sit around the room and it's and they, everybody knows that they're on equal footing and we're throwing mud at the wall and you know coming up with ideas and we just fill the board with with just ideas and no idea is a bad idea no ideas off limits i mean you know i, I create some some, um, guidelines, uh, about that, but, but we're throwing mud against the wall. And the only thing that I ask is that, you know, that you're able to defend what you present, you know, and one of my, uh, staff guys told me that, uh, you know, in five years he's been with me, he said, he's never heard me say, you know, that's that idea just won't work or just crush somebody and say, I can't believe you would think that. I can't believe that's the way you did. I can't believe, I mean, come on, man, that's elementary. He said, I've never heard you do anything but, you know, edify and build up. And and then, you know, obviously, you know, we can't use every idea, but everybody feels invested, you know, um, with that. And so I think that's one practical way. To 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 really you know give your staff the opportunity and empower them and to, and for them to truly know that it, that it is a safe space for them to grow, and uh, and we get a lot out of that. That was one thing you know practical example that I wanted to share in terms of you know just developing your staff. And then uh, the second thing is is that and I got this from Lance Walker at MJP. It's uh anybody seen that that game that plinko where you drop the deal in and it goes down, it falls into a slot. Um, you know, one of the things that we do with our, with our program is that it's not, we don't say to, to staff, you know, your idea won't work. It's where does your idea or exercise, where does it fall into place? For instance, one of our slots is speed. So within speed, is it linear or lateral? If it's linear, is it acceleration or max speed? If it's lateral, is it angular or change of direction? You know, if it, it's a plyometric. Is it a hop? Is it a jump? Is it a bound? You know, if it's a strength exercise, is it a press? Is it a pull? Is it a squat? You know, so um, we have these, you know, this Plinko system where, you know, it's, it's constantly being, the, the, the system is constantly being added to because none of it's, challenging the system and saying we got to change our system it's okay where does it fit into our system so it's it's a very receptive way of expanding your system and continuing to be creative and and those kind of things and then i'll I'll close with this and it's something that you and i spoke about the other day um and it's uh you know when when you are when you when you have a system like that from a strength conditioning standpoint and you're able to kind of get everything into a category so that it's usable a lot of times we go to conventions and we read books and and things and we're like you know we've got all this material but what do we do with it you know and and I I think from a strength conditioning standpoint that system allows you to take a lot of information and make it applicable to your system but the same thing I think goes and and I love the way you've attacked these these conversations and these platforms it's not been from okay you know what do you what's your x's and o's how do you cycle and all those kind of things but it's been more about culture and leadership and and things that we don't normally sit down and break bread over um and one of the things that i've done you know I've, i've i've got a ton i'm just really attracted to to information about leadership and being a better leader and and those kind of things and and uh during this pandemic i've sat down and i've Tried to organize, you know, what is my leadership model? What does that look like? And I was trying to harness, you know, all this information that I'd taken notes on and these books that I've read and all that kind of stuff. And I, I narrowed it down to four questions. Um, and, and that is, you know, wh- number one, why? You're answering, you know, why do you do what you do? Why are you a strength and conditioning coach? Why do you want to be a great leader? What, what is driving you? What is the why that's driving you? and and so that's one question and that's one you know bay of information and then who are you as a leader what type of leader are you you know today we talked about your personal style but what type of leader are you and and when you're when you take a look at that you know john maxwell and i've quoted him several times today but he says you know if you think you're a leader and you turn around nobody's following you you're just out for a walk you know so uh you know what type you know who who are you as a leader how do you want to be seen as a leader are you secure in what you're doing? You know, so who, you need to answer, you know, why and then who, and then what do you want to accomplish? What is it that you're trying to accomplish? Where are you trying to go, right? And then how are you going to get there? So it's the why, it's the who, it's the what and the how. And, and I just think that, you know, as you're growing as a leader and as you're growing as a strength coach, if you have places to put that information, it's just like experience. You know, people say that, you know, Experience is the best teacher. Well, only if you allow experience to be a teacher meaning only if you stop and allow that to affect your next decision. But if you're just going from from event to event and season to season and year to year, and you're never really allowing that experience to influence your decisions, then it's really not the best teacher. And so I I think the same thing's true that we have this thirst for knowledge and this hunger for knowledge and this hunger to stay on the cutting edge and all that kind of stuff, which I think is great. But what are you doing? it? How are you packaging it? So that it really affects your day in day out behavior and where you're trying to go and what you're trying to accomplish.
0: You know, um, one, one point I want to make that I thought you said beautifully, which I, I wish more coaches would understand. And would more would understand from a staff's cultivating standpoint, meaning how they progress as a staff, how they're open is, is creating the safe space. I think that's, yeah, you, what you've said today, Coach. I, I, I do. I'm not trying to blow smoke up your butt. I promise you. You've said things very beautifully, but I think the probably from a staff standpoint, from a just a culture within the staff, we forget that. We forget that that safe space. Meaning, is this a conducive atmosphere where we can grow together? When we always say, you know, always throughout my year being a, years of being in football and college athletics, everybody says family, family, family well, they really don't know what the hell that means if they can't do exactly what you say, which is the safe space, the positive compared to the negative. Like, those, I think, those are the, what I call, knowledge nugget pieces that I think are, are game changers. Um, I'm a big Brene Brown fan. I think she's had a huge impact in my life. First book I have read from her is Dare to Lead. Then any coach um, should read it, understanding empathy, understanding uh, courage, and, and, and cultivating out of – cultivating that courage out of comfort, you know, deciding not to be comfortable. Like these things I think are crucial because then you can find out more about yourself. Like you said, your staff is willing to be constructive with you, not in a negative like to make you better. Like these are small things that we just don't do. We just push forward and we think, you know, we know the best thing to do and, and we have to be, be on top and we have to sit on the throne. Like, no, like it's, it's, you, if you have a staff of five people, you have a staff of two people, you have a staff of 15 people, whatever, you want 15 people working for you. You want five or even two of you. You want everybody working at the same pace, at the same speed in order to do that. I think that's like, to me today, that's what stuck out to me more beautifully than anything else you said because I think that is where and why you've been successful is because you got everybody working at the same pace you know, if that if that is the biggest truth I got today, is that and I wanted to thank you for that, because um, I think it's, that that's a, that's a beautifully said, easily overlooked piece that so many people do overlook Well, I, I appreciate that, and I want to
1: say to you, you know, you, you've always been a guy, uh, we haven't you know, over the years, spent a ton of time on the phone, or, you know, our paths haven't crossed a ton, or anything like that, but every, I want, uh, one thing I want to encourage you with today, is that every time I've ever been around you when I walked away I felt better about myself you you you've you found a way to work into the conversation something that you respected or something that you valued or something and you know people like to be around people who who make them feel better about themselves you know and I just wanted to you know encourage you with that and and just thank you for this opportunity I I really appreciate it and uh it's meant a lot to me and I hope that you know, somebody can take something from this and and help them. You know, I, I feel like when people say, you know, what was the conference like or what was this like? Did you learn? If you walk away with one thing from a talk or a conference or, you know, whatever, if you walk away with one thing that helps you be better, it was worth it. And, you know, my hope today is that anybody that listens to this will at least walk away, you know, with one thing that can help them be better. And I just want them to know that if they're ever around you, that they're going to walk away being better because you're going to find a way to point out to them what you respect and what you value. And I th- I think that that is something that, you know, that you've been blessed with that the Lord is, you know, just kind of giving you that gift of encouragement. And I, I just want to continue to, uh, to be that way because that
0: you can't say that about everybody. Right. 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 No, again, I just want to thank you again, coach. I've always you know, from outside in, like I said, from my, from being a young buck in this field all the way up, always looked up for you because you have been very successful. Um, and um, thank you for that. Thank you for today. Um, thank you for your time. Because, yes, we have time now, but it's still precious. I'm not going to be stupid and say, hey, we have time to do this. Like, you do this. Like, you had to make your sacrifice to be here. You know, I listened to an awesome devotion this morning. Um, Pastor of life Church was talking about you know your priorities, and then you have everything else. your priorities are the stones that you put into the bottle, and everything else is the sand so you make that decision is you know if you try to put the sand in and try to put the rocks in the bottle, it will never work. but you put the rocks in the bottle, your priorities and then you put the sand in it will work hundred percent of the time and I think that 's kind of in this time frame is how do we utilize it? Do we see it that way? Are we putting the rocks in every day before the sand um, so I know that this is somewhat of the sand and I thank you for that. Um, thank you for that time and, and best of luck. Cause I know this is, we still don't know. We're still in the unknown and uh, you being in the same state as me. It's still what the governor's shut down. So we don't know where, so best of luck with that. And um, definitely we'll, we'll look forward to the relationship we get to cultivate being a couple hours down the road for you. Um, and, you know, catching a couple football games, hopefully this fall, we'll see how things work out. But, uh, Otherwise, thanks, Coach. Thank you. Appreciate
1: it. Yes, sir.